In a world where money matters, there are two guys, two microphones, who wanted you to listen. This is Listen Money Matters. Hey, everybody. Ah! <laughs> Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Uh, money is a tool. Use it. Don't let it use you. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? <laughs> uh, great, man. I, I'm drinking a St. Martin Abbey de Abijavon. Uh, it's, it's a Belgian ale. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you butchered it, but okay. <laughs> what, what, yes, no one will be able to find that anywhere. What's the percentage? Uh... It it actually doesn't say. Is that 29? Like oh no, it's seven percent. Seven percent. Yeah. Mm. So it's right. A little little high, not too high. I am drinking water to mm. be uh the boring side of this podcast. Uh guys. Guys. Hey guys. <laughs> Ladies and gents. Uh money is a tool. Use it. Don't let it use you. That is from Daniel Merle at the Duke Daniel who gets a lot of play on this show because of his constantly sending in catchphrases via Twitter. I cannot I, thank him enough for that. I, th- I think that at this point he should start a business with his Twitter <laughs> handle because he's getting all this free promotion. <laughs> at the Duke Daniel. And if you have your catchphrases, no matter what they are, they can be funny, they can be money-related, they can be non-money-related. It doesn't matter. You can just be dirty. You want to see if Matt will say it. You can do that, too. Uh, you can send them into our Twitter handle, which is at Money Matters Man. It's our, it's our Twitter handle. Uh, so today is uh, my favorite five questions. Five questions. We just need a theme song for five questions. I know. Um... Five questions. What do you ask? We're going to tell you all these things on five questions. I don't know. That's, that's just me ad-libbing. That, that was... That was great. That's pretty terrible. Uh, okay, so let's uh, dive into it, shall we? You yeah. ready? You ready to do this? Yes, sir. All right, first question comes from Ben. In your previous post, you said that the past 11 months, you have gained 14.9% after expenses with your Betterment account. If you compare it to the 7%, you did fantastic. But if you merely place the same amount of money in an S&P 500 index fund over at Vanguard, your returns would have been hovering around 20%. 21.31% without expenses taken into account, a mere 0.05% at Vanguard, as you have so wisely pointed out. So my question would be, why use Betterment over Vanguard S&P 500 Index Fund? Even if you add an additional month of returns, you most likely won't make up that 6% difference, and a diversity, in my opinion, couldn't be much safer. And that was from Ben. That is a really good question, and I uh, I think I might That's have. Why an I included it in the? Uh... <laughs> I think I might have an answer for it. I have a, I have a simple answer for me at least. All right, so so you start. The barrier of entry with Betterment is way lower than it is with Vanguard. Now I don't know how much a Vanguard fund costs to get into, but mm-hmm. it's not. It's it's definitely not a dollar. So there are minimums. Uh, the the one that he's specifically talking about, the point zero five percent one. Yeah, that's their admiral level class Uh, yeah it requires a ten thousand dollar minimum investment right so very rich for many people's blood yeah at least to get started with right and and i would say that if you uh wanted to save up enough money to invest into that account or into that index fund then start with betterment Mm because that way you can just put 100 bucks a month in or whatever this whatever you decide 
uh, into Betterment, let it grow instead of just keeping it in a savings account or just in cash. Uh, mm-hmm. And that way you're growing a little bit as you come up with enough money to invest in an index fund, like a Vanguard S&P 500 index fund. Absolutely. I think that's an awesome idea. Uh, I said on a lot of emails and uh, I mean, as opposed to keeping your money on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, so, so my thought on his thing is, is yes, you would absolutely make more money if you had a hundred percent holdings of stock. Mm-hmm. Um, my Betterment account doesn't have a hundred percent holdings of stock. It's ten percent bonds. Yeah. Um, so obviously, it would perform less. And in a raging bull market, stocks will always perform better than bonds. Now, if we were talking in two thousand eight. Uh, he might be saying a different story because he would have had all stocks. They would have all done terribly bad. Bonds would not have done as bad. Um, and I also just want to say that, so so yeah, so it's, it's better today, not necessarily better forever. And I want to say that um, the Betterment uh, setup does include a portion of it as the, the Vanguard total stock market fund, but it includes other things as well. So arguably more diversified, um, not that his approach is wrong, just mm-hmm. different, you know. Yeah, I think one of the strategies that I plan on em- employing uh, is right now I have over $10,000 in Betterment. And mm. I'm following your blueprint, your investment blueprint strategy. Mm. So I'm waiting. Such a clever name I came up yeah, with, right? <laughs> seems like a lot of words in there. <laughs> investment blueprint strategy, promotional. Ultimate. Ultimate, Yeah. Uh, top, top five rich top tips. Top five rich tips. <laughs> so I'm actually going to uh, build up my Betterment account to 25 Gs and then start taking the gains from that and putting it into um, index funds like Vanguard. Yeah, dude. That's what my plan is. And I'm going to start, you know, we're basically going to cap out Betterment at 25 and then just move everything, start putting money into index funds, big index funds like, you know, Vanguard ones. Mm. Um, that's my plan, at least. I'm just following what your advice there. Now, I'm about a little less than halfway there. It, it's but, ramping up. But, I mean, that's I, only since March. Yeah. That's not, that hasn't even been a year. You've been very diligent. With I've it. been and, pretty aggressive with my uh, Betterment con- contributions. And, and the thing is, uh, it just it adds up over time. Like, have you done any lump sums or you just Yeah, I just did the- a $4,000 lump sum. Damn, yo. Yeah, I just did it. I was like, you know what? Because I, I think I was hovering at like at 6000 something. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm crossing over to ten thousand because my fees went down too. Because once you cross over ten thousand, it goes down. Was that four thousand contribution? Uh, was that included in the Betterment update, or was that after I did the uh, the latest Betterment thing? What's that? I'm sorry. So I <laughs> I just did the <laughs> yeah. I see you're looking at your phone. Like, <laughs> I'm on Twitter. <laughs> uh, we just so got, I, I just I did got the latest. A, I'm sorry, just, I just got a tweet from Mrs. Money Mustache. Really? Yeah. What'd you say? Just finished listening to what I think is the best Mr. Money Mustache podcast so far by At Money Matters Man. Yes. Yeah. What? All right. All right. Fine. Uh, enough with this thing. Okay, I just want to say sorry. one more thing real quick and we'll move to the next one. Um, it is awesome that you could pull 21% in one year. Mm-hmm. The goal is not to pull 21% in one year, although it's great. It's to consistently do well. So yeah. one year does not an investor make. Yeah. True. True that. So, Ben, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> what, what are you waiting for? I don't know. All right. <laughs> I was hoping you to go, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on. 
This next question is from Andrew. Andrew, I told you to stop emailing in questions. <laughs> You're not. You don't count. No, this is a different Andrew. Uh, so here it is. Is there any utility in having more than one brokerage account? I primarily use Betterment and auto deposit under the build wealth tag. By the way, this is already two Betterment questions. Are they all Betterment questions? No, uh, no I didn't. No, I didn't but plan uh, like that. Uh, hold on. I'm looking. Betterment is mentioned in three of these questions. Just so you know, people. Uh, okay. So anyway, I'll, let me start. No, no, but, but you'll, you'll see the, the questions. The first one is a, they're all about approaches. It's okay. not about Betterment being like awesome. Okay. Or I'll, I'll start over. Is there any utility in having more than one brokerage account? I primarily use Betterman and auto-deposit under the Build Wealth tag. However, I also have Schwab account and purchased uh, three Schwab index funds. I asked a rep at Schwab today this question, but he was incredibly uninformed as to the differences between the two and if there is any utility in having more than one brokerage account. I know that the expense ratio, at least for the funds I've purchased from Schwab, uh, is lower than Betterment. But Betterment does provide free tax harvesting, which, to be honest, I'm not really sure I should be concerned about right now, and automatic rebalancing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm at a loss with this one. So um, is there a utility in having more than one brokerage account, right? So uh, I would say, I mean, depending uh, on, like, what you're trying to do, right? If you're just going into Betterment and you just don't want to be involved in investing, then, you know, Betterment's good, whatever. Um, so in an approach like you just said earlier in this episode, how, like, you're going to store up in Betterment and then go into Vanguard, mm -hmm. then I think it makes sense because they, they serve two totally different purposes. You know, you're trying to go into, say, Admiral's class share in, in Vanguard. Yeah. You have to save up. But why keep it in your checking account? Um, do, does it make sense to have an E-Trade account, a Fidelity account, a Schwab account? No. like No. It's crazy. And, and so, I say if you're new to investing like I am, I'm just sticking with Betterment right now and Acorns. I'm, I'm trying out Acorns. But um, that's more for a small little investment investing for now. Uh, but there's and you could create an account when you get there, when you get to that point. That, yeah, so know. that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm I'm starting with Betterment. I'm working my way up, and then I'm going to create a Vanguard account, probably, or uh, an account that allows me to buy Van Vanguard index funds. And then I'm going to, so I will essentially have three brokerage accounts at that point. So I'll have my Acorns account, I'll have my Betterment account, and I'll have whatever I'm going to use for buying Vanguard funds. I, I will say that there is one actual reason. Like very good reason to have multiple brokerage accounts. Like okay. say Schwab, E Trade, whatever. Um, each of these accounts are are covered by the S. Uh, yeah, I know SIPC. Yeah. Sorry, I had to make sure I got the the letters correct. Yeah. So it's covered by the SIPC up to five hundred thousand dollars. So if you have six hundred thousand dollars in your Betterman account, and for whatever reason Betterman blows up, you could potentially lose a hundred thousand dollars. So it makes sense. To have multiple accounts, you know, when when Betterment blows up, I mean, it could happen to any company. And look, Lehman Brothers blew up. Who thought that was going to happen? They were like a thirty-plus billion-dollar company. I want to point out that you won't actually lose the money if Betterment blows up, because it's in. It, that's if the stock market blows up, right? But I want to get. I want to give a specific example. Okay, so, um, if bet first of all, these companies are never supposed to use investor money to run their business. It's supposed to be separate accounts, completely separate. So if the business blows up, 
you will never need to pull money from the SPIC, SIPC yeah. because um, uh, the, the money was never used. However, just recently, MF Global declared bankruptcy and they did use investor money oh. to run the business. They took a quote-unquote loan from the investor pool to fund the company and then when it went bankrupt, all of a sudden, the investor's money wasn't there. So... Uh, this is the only time it's happened in the recent future, although it's only been like four past. or so recent past, only like four or so years ago. So it is something to consider. Of course, you'd have to be so lucky to have five hundred thousand dollars in a single account <laughs> yeah. for this even to be your concern. Yeah, and that's what it is five hundred thousand. That's the limit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, is there any utility in having more than one brokerage account? Yes. Dep- Depends. Depends. Uh, I will have multiple brokerage accounts. I do not at the moment, but I will. Mm. And only because I do. I have Acorns, Betterman, Fidelity, but it's different tool. Can you buy Vanguard funds through Fidelity? Uh, I can, and actually, I I I do do my Betterman funds through there because what happened is I have all my money there, and actually, my dad has his money there, and we join into a family account, so Mm -hmm. we get like premium. I'm waiting for the blowjob still, but our Fidelity accounts. Uh, are Fidelity index funds any good? Um, yeah, they're good, and they, they have low fees, not yeah, nearly as low were, as I heard they were Van- low. Yeah, so a lot of these companies they have their own branded ones. Yeah, and uh, they're like loss leaders, right? Mm. So they'll com- they'll ch- attempt. They won't be as low as Vanguard, but they'll attempt to compete with that to get you in for the cheap ones, and then blah blah blah. Cool. All right. Well, Andrew, not you, Andrew, mm. the other Andrew. Andrew, who asked the question, thank you for sending in that question, and I hope we were able to answer it for you. So moving on to Johnny. Here's Johnny. (laughs) This question. Uh, Hey, guys. Just got done listening to an episode on how you tame your bill paying. On this episode, Matt mentions that he doesn't have many bills. However, one of the bills that he mentions is his car payment. In other episodes, uh, he mentions that he has a few thousand dollars in betterment that he has earned a bit of growth from some dividends. He also put X amount of dollars into betterment every month. The question is, how do you justify investing in betterment or any other investment when there is interest on car debt that will eat up any gains or totally null his gains his, his gains in betterment, his betterment account makes? Uh, Looks like you gain more traction on increasing your net worth by paying down liabilities rather than increasing assets in this case. Uh, I am in the same boat and always struggle with the mental decision to save for retirement or pay extra debt uh, on the car. I just want to say that, yes, yes, Betterment was mentioned, as in the other questions, but the question is not – it's just because you invested in Betterment. I I, I didn't just like shamelessly plug. No, I understand, and I I just – you know, I was just scanning. Um well, I'll tell you this, Johnny. Uh, telling us your interest rate? Uh, I believe my interest rate is 2% mm. for my car. So it's actually pretty low. Uh, I also pay uh, – my car payment is 276 but I pay $300 a month, which, <laughs> I mean, it's a little extra towards it. Uh, but actually, it's a good question. So what do you think about that, Andrew, since you hate cars? Um, so, <laughs> well, yeah, so I do hate cars. Um, I don't hate cars, but see, I, I here's, here, well, taking oh, a no, loan out of them is very dumb. No, God. Yeah. I was going to say, um, the, one of the reasons why I don't want to do that is because yes, if I were to pay off my car with that money, 
and I probably can. I, at this point, I could probably take. I probably had ten thousand dollars left on the car. I could take that money out, pay off the car, no more car payments, right? Um, but then the car is worth what it's worth. I own it outright, uh, but then I have no investment gains at this point. Now I'm so, starting at zero again. So I would say yes, but uh, you made the foolish mistake of buying a car in debt. So that yes. that bad decisions on you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, I would not say that that is a, a reason. I would say the, the reason, the logical mathematical reason is uh, the interest rate is extremely low. Yeah. Um, and it, it's very similar to why I say, uh, in general, don't overpay your mortgage, especially if it's like, you know, four per, I mean, most are going to be 4%. I, I hope you refinanced. Yeah. Uh, my, mine's like 3.25. Mine's 4.5. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is uh, like at least with like a home mortgage, right? Uh, if you pay more, um, it just reduces the the term from like say thirty years to twenty nine years or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but it doesn't reduce your payment. And uh, same with the car. And if the interest rate's so low, uh, your money is better off. And it's, the car, not- the car loses value, so it's mm-hmm. it's just constantly dropping in value. So me paying it off early wouldn't really help me. I mean, you would get rid of your debt, and I guess I guess the thing is, is that because the rate is so low, uh, that it, it's fine to float it. Yeah. So I mean, it's a good moral question because it's or it's a mental decision that you have it, to make. And in, uh, yes, I we always talked about like having no debt, and you know, investing, you know, getting rid of your debt first and then investing. I since since <laughs> like I need a car. I don't need the car that I have. I can buy a much cheaper car to get around, you mm. know. So I could es- essentially sell this car right now, uh, probably get what I owe on it, and then just go buy a car cash, like a f- for a thousand bucks or something. I'll tell you what. I'm going to add to my list uh, at when we get back from FinCon. Uh, I'm going to do the math. And I'm going to see when it starts to make sense over like a five, ten, fifteen year period, mm-hmm. like what the interest rate cutoff is, like yeah. when it makes sense, like. Can, is this feasible with a seven percent average for four percent rates for three percent rates for eight percent? You know, like what? What's the the threshold? I, I absolutely want to pay my car off. Like I absolutely want to get that payment gone. Uh, but it's not that much money right now per month, and it's you because know, the rates low. It's the not rates urgent. low. It's not urgent. Uh, it's a very reliable car. Because uh, it's just a Honda Civic 2009 coupe, so it's you know there's not much that has to be done with it. I just get it o- the oil changed on it. Not that this means anything to anybody, but uh, right now it's really not hindering my investments. It's not really hindering my savings. Besides, that I could be putting away an extra three hundred dollars a month, which is exactly what I would do in in lieu of a, a car payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as of right now, I, I don't really see the need to pay it off. Um, I, I am paying it off. Uh, well, I will be paying it off earlier because I am putting an extra $25 a month towards it. What's so, your balance right now? I actually have no idea because I'm looking I thought at, you had, I thought you had the paper right Yeah, there. no. This statement is from July 28th of 2013. Oh. <laughs> so this is a statement is a year old. He's, he's referring to the Tame Your Bill episode, and you have this whole stack of papers from 2013? Yeah, I know. I think uh, you need to tame your damn bills, dude. Well, I don't get that many bills in the mail. Like I, I, I haven't got – since I uh, – this is just a paper one. That I'm mm. holding, but uh, since I moved all my bills over to, uh, you know, don't don't bill me paperly, 
Mm. Yeah, don't don't send me paper <laughs> bills. Uh, so this this is like the last one I ever received. Killing me softly. Yeah. Killing, so killing I'm actually curious. I, I I don't even have a login to that my Honda financial uh, services account, which I sh- probably should look into. Uh, and I can go there and and uh, you know find out exactly what my interest rate is. I guess I should have did this before the episode. Um, what my payoff amount is because right now my payoff amount is. As of uh, July 28th of 2013, I have $15,000 left to pay on it, which is a lot. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's less. Hopefully it's less. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be that much less because I've only been paying $300 a month for a year. So we shall see. But uh, I know the interest rate's really low. I think I got it at 2%. I, I fought for that very hard when I was, when I was, when I bought that car. I, I actually, when I went and bought that car, that's when I sold my BMW and I was very interested in lowering my monthly payments and i knew that was one way to do it and i was very interested in buying a cheap but reliable car that didn't look like crap i mean i almost bought a, a shitty little kia and mm-hmm. i was driving it around and i'm like this sucks. dude kia um, this i'm sorry sucks. i'm sorry for all the people listening in their kia there are I'm some not a fan. there are some nice kias the one i was driving was not so nice I think it was a Kia Rio. I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember it not being very comfortable for a big guy like myself. So I uh, ended up going with a Honda Civic because I had one in the past, and it was very, very reliable. I had owned it for five years or um, you know, were making payments on it for five years. Didn't actually end up owning it ever before I bought my BMW, so I went with that. Uh, and so I, my BMW was 2% interest rate, This and I got the same rate with this car, so... And for a summary of all of the other bad decisions Matt has made, refer yeah. to the previous 160 episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's quite a lot of documentation there. I'm trying to get out of it, guys. <laughs> trying to trying to get better. Always. You, you've been better. Thank you've you. You've been better. Uh, so thank you, Johnny, for that question. Now you've, now you've got me thinking, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> now nah, I will look into it for sure. Uh, so let's get to the next question, shall we? Mm. This one's from Greg. It seems like every other year, one of my credit cards, one of my credit card numbers gets compromised and flagged for fraudulent activity. Luckily, I can totally resonate <laughs> with that. That is like multiple times a year for me. Really? Yeah. Luckily, my bank is very good about this, and they take care of the charges for me and issue a new card. My question is if this negatively impacts my credit score. Does it look like I have a ton of closed credit cards on my file? And does the length of the time that that credit has been open reset every time I get a new card number? That are those are some good questions, actually. Dude, see, that's the thing is I try and pick the. There's tons. I get uh, every weekend. I do the emails. Yeah. And there's well over eighty that are like waiting for me. Do you and, know the uh, answer to these questions? Yeah, I, uh, I obviously I either do the if I don't know the answer, I do the research. I'll tell you um, that the only time that that's ever happened to me was this past November. When the when Target got hit, so I I had shopped in Target during the months that they got hit. So right. Discover Car just sent me a new card in the mail. They were like, "Here's a new card, new number, everything." Just we're taking awesome. a preemptive strike. They, they don't even want to deal with it. Yeah, you know? they're like, you know, we're just covering your ass. I go, oh, I didn't even know this was a thing, and I saw it in the news. I was like, oh, well, I had already got my new card. So uh, from what I understand, um, no, because you still have an account with Discover. It's just a new card and number. Yeah, so so that's the thing is um, the credit score impact is when you open and close an account, right? And the the cards that you have or the number on your card that's between you and Discover mm-hmm. or you and Amex or whatever. It's immaterial for your credit score, and it's not your fault if it's fraudulent activity. It's 
Yeah. You know, if they steal your identity and open credit cards on your name, that's a different story. Right. But you should be fine here. It doesn't affect the length or anything like that. Okay. And that's a really easy question to answer. Mm. And I also want to bring up something now that we're on this topic. Mm. How do you feel about Apple Pay? How I feel about Apple Pay? I think it's a terrific idea. And specifically because um, your cards are stored, you know, and encrypted. Mm-hmm. But every time you pay, what it, do, it doesn't use your credit card number. Right. It generates a credit card number on the fly only for that transaction. It's like a, so, it's like a hash. Yeah. So, so what happens is like I remember I was like, you know, in London at some bar just buying like beer. Of course. And I mean, my, he took my card and I didn't see where it went, but I didn't think because it was like a normal bar. He stole my credit card number. But uh, the bartender. The bartender did. Ah. But, and it was dumb because I, I let it, my card leave my vision. But the thing is, um, if it was a one off like hash, like it was just like a one-time use number. He could have stole it. It would have never been able to be used elsewhere. Right, because it's that so, one time. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, so you pay with your credit card. It's okay for someone to take it. Like you maybe not are so concerned. If you're paying with your phone, dude, no one is even touching my phone, yeah. let alone is that shit leaving my site. Uh, so, un- yeah, unfortunately, though, I'm sure this bar in London is not going to adapt the Apple Pay system anytime <laughs> soon. So... You're still gonna get that. That means just use cash. But also, the 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 one of the issues is when you travel abroad. Um, in America, we have this terribly insecure credit card mechanism mm-hmm. where you just swipe it, yeah, and then you sign, and then you could sign Mickey Mouse or I hate America. I used to draw. Play. I used to draw cows. <laughs> Remember I told you that? Yeah, I told you that in Dallas. I used to draw cows as my signature. I I used to I used to take the pen and fill in the box, like just fill it all in black. And uh, one time it actually cashed the crashed the cash register, and I held up the line. And oh, shit. really? Because I guess it was too much data. Oh, to... like the ones you have to sign on the on the keypads. Yeah. Oh, I just like... I just scribble. I just you know just I just scribble a line. Oh, I, I do too. But I mean, I was waiting. I think it was maybe a supermarket. They're like, I'm waiting. So I'm just yeah. filling it in. Just it waiting. is a pain in the ass. I can't wait, especially going to Whole Foods. I cannot wait for Apple Pay to come out, and I can just. But dude, check this out. So uh, now, or not now, they've had it for a while. They have that little chip on the card. I yeah. don't know if you've seen it. And for international, perp- like they they all have that. And they yeah. actually they're surprised when there's a card that doesn't have a chip, yeah. and it requires you to be there. So it's like, uh, you know. Anyways, I just wanted it's to harder to up. steal your number. Yeah. All right. So thanks, Greg, for that question. Uh, I hope that answered it for you. And let's move on to our final question. Question number five by Jessica. I can't remember what episode it was, but Andrew was mentioning a type of fun that you could pick proportionately how aggressively you want to be depending on your age. For example, if you were a young adult and you would like to have 70-ish in stocks. And 70-ish less, percent. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 70-ish percent in stocks and less in bonds. But as you get older, you could back off and tend to lean less risky investing strategy and balance out more towards bonds. Can you tell me what that was called? Yeah, so I think we really just need to invest in like um, some reading like thing for you. We'll just send you some classes. I told we'll you, dude, I am straight up dyslexic. <laughs> so, so we'll 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 pay. Listen, my as will pay to improve your reading. Thank you. Ability. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I don't uh, have a speech impediment because that would be worse. That would be way worse, dude. I don't. I don't think. Uh, anyways, um, so this is called the life cycle funds, and um. Basically, what it does is, I, and if you go, uh, I actually, in my 
since we already mentioned this episode, I have that article in the investment section of the site. It's it's the investment blueprint strategy. At the very bottom of the article, I link to Vanguard funds, and one of the Vanguard funds I show is a life cycle fund. And if you click the link, it'll actually show you a graph of how it tapers over time from stocks to bonds. And it's really cool. The only thing with it is that the fee is generally much higher than other funds because it has to be, uh, for lack of a better term, actively managed. Because every year or few years, they're changing the proportion of the investments. Um and so you pay, <clears throat> I think the one on the, on the Betterment strategy is like 0.18%, which isn't terrible, but um, something to consider, whereas, uh, yeah, just something to consider. So I wouldn't put all of your money necessarily in it. Um, but a life cycle fund is not something you can control, isn't it automatically adjusted as you, go old, as you get older? Yeah, so if you go into like a Vanguard life cycle fund, you're basically saying, all right, Vanguard, I'm buying the 2050, which is, you know, the year I expect to retire. Yes. And I want you to control the risk for me over time, just taper it. And I just want to own one thing. You mm -hmm. do the work. Right. So you can't go into that fund and actually mess with it. No, no. And I guess that, that's the thing with Betterman is, is, you know, if say you knew for certainty that this year the market was going to crash, you could move the slider to all bonds mm -hmm. and like that business day you'll be good. I would not right? recommend that though. No, I wouldn't recommend that either, but I'm saying that uh, it's out of your control. However, uh, if you're comparing cost, life cycle funds are cheaper than Betterment. Okay. That's it. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I want to like, remind you uh, mm. since you had brought up my reading skills, I used to do the morning announcements in my high school. Same, actually. Did but you? I think it's, I think it's pretty like weird that we both. Uh... And what I have, to, what I, I was so bad at reading, like cold, cold reading, you know. And mm. I also was in the plays in high school, where you were also in. Plays, I was, right? yeah, West Side Story. So that's when I. That's I was I... a shark because I apparently I look a little Latino. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I, I was. I was. I played rump in Greece. That was my claim to fame. Who, who is Rump? Uh, so Rump is not in the movie Grease. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I forget what his name is in the movie. They re they changed his name. Does he have a fat ass? Uh, I think that's why they called him Rump, yeah. Really? Yeah, I think so. And I definitely ah. have a fat ass. So there was... A, there was <laughs> it was... A, I had to sing a, a Blue Moon, which is also not in the movie. So the part that I played in the Grease musical is not the movie at all. So there's no reference to it. They made it especially for you? Yeah. So I, that's when I found out I was <laughs> like, dyslexic. Oh, poor Matty Rump needs a spot in the play. Let's yeah. create a character called Rump. <laughs> exactly. He can't sing. He'll just sing this one stupid shitty song that is super easy to sing. Uh, that was the first time I ever sang in public. And now I sing in public all the time. So uh, <laughs> there's – that was when I found out I was dyslexic. Can't even now. I have a speech impediment. Uh, there's because she we were doing cold readings, and she's like, "I think you're you're mixing the words up. You're you're spitting the words." And I go, "Yeah, ah, well, I survived this long. I'll be all right." <laughs> so, and when I used to do the morning announcements, I used to have to go in the corner and like read them prior to. Oh, really? Yeah, to like not practice, but like just make get familiar with it. So my because my lips move faster than my eyes move across the page. So I don't even know if that's technically dyslexia, but. Uh, I do have to put up my hands when I make turns to s see the L, you know? Mm. 
for left. <laughs> I would say that sounds dangerous. Yeah. Because who's holding the Oh, wheel. I do it all the time. <laughs> when we used, to, we used to ride bikes to the kids, and my friends were like, turn right, and I'd be the only person going left. <laughs> They're like, right! I said right! <laughs> I know. I was <laughs> no, just, watch out for the cliff. I was just seeing what was over here in the left area. You know, when I drive with Laura, that's how she is. She's holding the phone with the GPS that has the arrow, the line, yeah. and it says turn right and she will point, uh, like left and she oh dude i went to where did i go i was i went to my friend's house for the first time this weekend because they just bought a new house and the and the gps was like turn right and i went left and i'm like this isn't right <laughs> i'm like going the wrong way even though i've heard i heard the word right a thousand times and i'm looking at the screen and i still made a left whatever uh so uh email us in your questions at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com and if they're good they'll make it on uh I'll yep. answer them no matter what. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, if they're if they're good, these were all good questions from Jessica, Greg, Johnny, Andrew, and Ben. So thank you guys, and you can email them at listenmoneymatters@gmail.com. I'd already mentioned it, but I wanted to mention it again. Also, if you like the show, please go and subscribe to it. You can go to listenmoneymatters.com/slash/show, subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher, and that way you can get them automatically downloaded to your devices every single day uh, because we release an episode every single day. And if you leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, we will send you some gifts via email. So, unfortunately, we don't know if you leave a review unless you leave it and then email us and tell us you left a review. Yeah. Which is cumbersome, I understand, but uh, that's the only way we know how to do it right now. It's the only way we can reward you. Yeah. And I was going to say, just to the subscribe point, like if you didn't subscribe, uh, then you wouldn't have gotten the early retirement with Mr. Money Mustache episode, which is blowing the fuck up right now. Yeah. So, and if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. Cause That's it's great. Yeah. Uh, I want to read a review, speaking of which, and I'm going to try a little technique here so that way I don't try to, don't fuck it up too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's titled Fun and Informative Podcast, Five Stars by New Listener from the United States. There are a lot of, there are, there are, are already I screwed up. With the first line. <laughs> so I think you should go I'm, back to I'm trying strategy. to read way too fast. There are a lot of personal finance podcasts out there. Uh, most make personal finance seem dull and boring. Matt and Andrew, on the other hand, show that personal finance doesn't have to be boring, but can be a fun. And that's I'm reading it verbatim. Uh, <laughs> one of the great things about this podcast is they don't know – if they don't know something – they will bring in people who are knowledgeable on the topic rather than acting like they know everything like some other personal finance people. Great podcast, and I would recommend it and have recommended it to everyone. <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry. That was an awesome review, but I'm just thinking that um, if you're if you're kind enough to leave us a review, you should <laughs> – you should you should flip some words That's and make it slightly <laughs> You should make it difficult to read so, on purpose. <laughs> so that just feels dumb. No, don't make me proofread your your reviews, oh please. God. Like you write like a really well written review, please flip a few words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't do that. I'll be like, and fun can be boring stuff. What the hell? I'm, I swear I'm reading this verbatim. Oh, my God. <laughs> maybe, Sorry. See, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's how everyone else on the planet words their questions. Maybe. Could be. Could, could be. be. Could be that. Let, let, me, let me not blame myself, but blame every listener out there who has sent in a question right. yeah, or a review. Thank you, guys. 
no one who writes reviews <laughs> has proper grammar. Oh, or... guys. Oh, man. No, it's definitely me. Th- thank you for the awesome review. Thank <laughs> you for writing in such a way that Matt can't read it. Um, and go to our website, listedmoneymatters.com. That is our website. You can go to listedmoneymatters.com slash toolbox to find links to Vanguard and Betterment and all the things we talked about today and some credit cards and what have you. So, it's all uh, the stuff we talk about. And if you click the links, some of the links, not all of them, uh, it helps the show. Yep. So, yes, it does. Keeps the light on here. Yeah. The one light I I only have <laughs> one light. Keeps my light on. So that's it, guys. Thanks again for all your questions, and we look forward to hanging out with you on the next episode. So later, Andrew. Later, Matt.